0: Good morning, Grace. It is a privilege to be standing here in front of you. I have been sick all week, and uh, that song was just a great comfort and a reminder that uh, in everything we must deeply abide, amen? It is a privilege uh, to get to preach this little, I don't know if we'd call it a like a mini-series to kick off the, uh, the year, the new year, uh, 2024, in John 15, um, the parable, as it were, of, of the vine, Jesus being the true vine, uh, and uh, our uh, call to abide in him, and it's been uh, a joy to be able to uh, meditate on this passage and think through it and to hear uh, Kenny's sermon last week. And uh, if you weren't here last week, um, I would really uh, commend that you maybe go onto onto, um, our website and and, uh, listen, give his sermon a listen. Um, But I am going to do just a little bit of a quick summary of it uh, to catch us up to speed because I think it puts us in a really great place this morning to talk about prayer. Um, And uh, I I think one of the first takeaways uh, from Kenny's sermon is uh, you should never, ever send Kenny any videos of yourself (laughs) the night before he's scheduled to preach a sermon and is maybe running two minutes shy of his minimum time limit. (laughs) from where my wife and I were sitting, we could, we could see uh, Sam Rapsky and company, uh, I, I think if they could have tunneled under, through the floor and out, they, they, they would have. But that, that was just precious uh, to, to see that, to see uh, if, if you missed it, you're going to have to get, See, that's a teaser, right? You have to go... Now you have to go and watch it. Um, but I do want to, in, in seriousness, uh, summarize some of the, the, just some of the great key things from Kenny's sermon uh, and then bring us to the focal point of our passage this morning in John 15. Um, what we're learning in John 15 is that the abundant life that Christ calls us to is a life of fruitful joy. And it's rooted in the love that Jesus has for us. And so last week, Kenny preached that Jesus is the true vine and his own life and love, the the sap, the lifeblood of Jesus himself, as as it were, flows into us because we are his branches and that branches are fruitful when they abide in Him. And it's because it is part of the nature of branches to bear fruit, God prunes us. As Kenny pointed out, the pruning that God does is not punishment, but He prunes us rather because He wants us to bear much fruit. And everything we do then stems from the love that we already have in Jesus, which is the same love that God has for the Son, which is just an astonishing thought. It is, as Kenny put it, our base of operations. It's where we boot up every morning. It's our permanent address, this love of God. And so we ought to count ourselves as being at home there. And I love that we just sang uh, so many songs, rejoicing in that this morning. And as Kenny wrapped things up last week, he said that um, some of the ways that we abide in Christ's love is through the word and through obedience and through prayer. And today our focal point is gonna be on prayer. Uh, John Piper has put it this way regarding this uh, passage. He says that prayer is what vocalizes our abiding in Christ. Prayer is what vocalizes our abiding in Christ. So this morning I want us uh, to see more clearly how prayer can help us joyfully abide in Jesus and not just individually but as an entire body. So uh, let's real quick let's go to if if you're already there hopefully John chapter 15 and I'm just going to start at the top and read through uh, verse uh, eight or nine there. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit He takes away and every branch that does not does bear fruit He prunes that it may bear more fruit. I'm just gonna keep going. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name we come Hopeful, we come in faith to receive your word. Father, we long to abide more and more deeply in your love. Lord, we know that in Christ our, our eternal security is, is, is solid. But Father, we are weak and we need to be encouraged in our walk and in our fruit bearing. And I pray that your word this morning would supply us with everything we need for life and godliness, that you would speak through your word, that you would help us to pray, that you would assist us in our weakness. And Father, do this for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what I wanna focus on this morning uh, are sort of verses uh, seven and eight. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What does it mean to abide in prayer? What does it look like to be deeply abiding in prayer? Um, I think this passage has probably has more than four things, but there's at least four things in this passage that I think we can be taught about prayer and how it helps us, helps, as Piper says, vocalize our abiding in Christ's love and his finished work. So I'm just going to walk through them, and and as we go, uh, make some comments, and maybe uh, we'll have also some some application points. As I was uh, looking through this uh, this week, um, so much of this, uh, you know, when, whenever you prepare for a sermon, you kind of hear that voice <laughs> going, "You believe what you're about to preach." Right, God asking you, do you do you believe what you're about to preach? And um, I, I love being challenged by this by this passage as well. So here we go. Um, number one, what does it mean to abide in prayer? First thing, abiding in prayer means praying according to the word. Right praying according to the word. Last week, Kenny said that one of the ways that we abide in Jesus is to obey Jesus. And we can't be obedient to Jesus unless we know his will for us. And how can we know his will for us apart from knowing his word? We look at verse 7 there. uh, Making requests seem to presuppose Christ's word abiding in us. See what it says there? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. We see the connection. And Jesus, remember, was the living word, the word made flesh. And so we ought to discipline our lives of prayer around the word We don't pray according to just convention. We don't pray just according to our our whims or worldly wisdom or just necessarily our our spur-of-the-moment thoughts, though God wants to hear from us no matter what as his children, right? But deep down, we need to be rooted in God's Word, Think about what John later writes in his epistle, his first epistle, 1 John 5.14. He says, and this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Anything according to His will. Now He doesn't mean according to His will in some secret, unknown, undisclosed uh, decree. Right? There are two different senses of God's will, at least in the New Testament. He, he's not saying, uh, "See if you can, you know, just throw a dart in, in in the dark and see if you can hit my will." Okay? He's not saying that. He's saying, "No, my will that has been revealed and disclosed to you." Right. And so there's comfort in this, that if we are abiding in the Word, we will know how we ought to pray. If we are abiding in the love of God's Word, we will be taught the kinds of things we ought to ask for. The Old Testament picture of this uh, is in Psalm 1. Think of the, the blessed person who meditates on God's law day and night and it says he will be like a tree planted by streams of water whose leaves don't wither and bears fruit in its season. In Ephesians 7, uh, 6, 17, and 18, Paul even makes this connection. He connects uh, putting on the full armor of God, and he's talking about the full armor of God, and he moves to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, and he couples that with praying at all times in the Spirit. Okay. Because the Spirit inspires God has inspired God's Word, And so if we are praying in the Spirit, the way we pray in the Spirit is to align ourselves with the very words that the Spirit himself has inspired, the Spirit that Jesus promised in the previous chapter, the helper, the comforter, who would lead his disciples into all truth. And so when we pray in the Spirit, will we not also bear fruit of the Spirit? And so, that brings us to our second thing, that it, it means to abide in prayer, and it's right here in the passage. Abiding in prayer means praying in order to bear fruit. We should want to bear fruit. Last week, uh, Kenny said, yeah, it, it means if we, are, if we are the branches and Jesus is the vine, it means when we pray, we ought to ask for branchy things, Right? Um, and, uh, yeah, that came out of a, a coffee shop conversation that we were having as, as we were doing You know, just one branch to another, right? Um, it's, it's, it's always such a joy to be able to, to, to talk about these things. Um, so, just real quick though, let, let me address something, and I, and I know we know this, I think we all know this, but in case there's anyone out there who, who might have some misunderstanding, um, when we pray, and when, when we see verses like this, um, if you abide in me and my words abide and you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Earlier in chapter 14, verse 13, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father will be glorified. We have to be just very careful to understand and remind ourselves that when we pray in Jesus' name, that phrase, in Jesus' name, is not a magical incantation, right? It's not like an open bar tab, okay? Um, I I went to uh, my my uncle's memorial uh, celebration of life, and it was at this facility, and they said, oh, yeah, open bar. Just uh, order anything you want. Just say you're a friend of Jim's, right? And, uh, and you could get anything you wanted, um, and I suspect word got around, and, and my Uncle Jim ended up with a lot more friends uh, than, than he maybe knew he had, um, you, you know, but, but it, it, praying in Jesus' name is not this sort of carte blanche, you know, rubber stamp retroactively whatever you just asked for, Okay. Again, we need to pray for branchy things, the kinds of things that come naturally to things that are rooted to the true vine, right? There's a verse that uh, my mom used to recite to us, Psalm 34, seven, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I remember as a little kid going, ooh, (laughs) that sounds promising. But she, she talked about that verse and she, I remember her telling me, but son, it's not that He's gonna give you anything you just want. He's actually going to, if you're in Him, He is going to give you the desires of your heart. That is, He is going to align your heart with the proper desires, desires that are befitting children of the King. And so to come back to our vine analogy then, a branch on the vine is most happy and fulfilled when it is producing grapes, right? It's their nature. When the conditions are right, under the right care of of an expert vine dresser, branches on a vine cannot help but produce grapes. But they don't produce Ferraris or ham sandwiches. So what is the kind of fruit that we're looking for? Well, can we go there? How about fruit of the spirit? What are the fruit of the spirit, you ask? Well, we know the song, yeah? And if we know the song, we know it's not a coconut. Some of you were thinking that. And some of you were thinking this. Just a few of you. Depends on what church of origin you come from, yeah. And how fast you sing the watermelon line. Okay. But the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the things that God wants to see manifest in us And this might be just a good practical point of prayer. If you find yourself wondering, what do I pray for? You know, life's going pretty well. I don't know. I'm good. Well, how good are you? You know? Ask God to show you those places in your heart where you've got some fruit. Remember, Christ wants to prune us so that we will bear much fruit. And maybe maybe this week I was pretty self-controlled. Yeah. But maybe maybe I could have been a little more loving. <laughs> okay. I was so self-controlled I never did anything for anyone else. Okay. Isn't it wonderful how God works in our hearts and shows us the places where we need to continue to excel even more, right? We had uh, a wonderful conversation around the dinner table uh, this week and we were taking prayer requests and one of our children, I won't name which one it was, but um, one of our children said, you know, honestly, I wonder if people actually see me as a loving person. I think I'd like prayer to be more loving. Praise God for that. That's, that's fruit of, that itself is fruit of the spirit, is it not, right? That's the fruit of someone who, who knows God's word and, and holds their life up to God's word and says, you know what? I'm secure in Christ, but, I, but I've, still got, I've, I've still got growth, and He still wants to prune me, and He still wants me to bear more fruit, fruit that will last. So that leads us to number three. You might ask, how, how is God gonna prune you this year? That might be a good, good thing to bring up with Him in prayer. What are, what are some ways I need to be pruned, Lord? So that I can be well cultivated in the fruit of the Spirit. But we need to remember number three abiding in prayer, and this is the big one, it means utter dependence on Jesus. Utter dependence. Look what it says in the passage, that we can only bear fruit that lasts if we abide in the vine and look particularly at verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. That hits us, I don't know about you, but that hits me right between the eyes. And if I'm honest, I have to confess a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of umbrage at that at times, right? We don't usually see utter dependence on someone else as a positive thing, do we? Think about that. We want our children to become independent, right? We're Americans, after all. We take pride in having done it ourselves. And maybe you've seen those movies or those TV shows. I don't know. It's a hackneyed kind of a, kind of a trope where, you know, you got the, the nemesis or the villain or whoever it is or the, or the, the erstwhile mentor kind of turned savage and they have that confrontation with the protagonist. It's like, without me, you're nothing, kid. It's always Kid. And it's said, you know, just with this arrogance and condescension and, and, you know, attempts to humiliate. Kind of goes against our grain to be seen as dependent. And yet that's what God calls us to. That's the gospel. The gospel is for when we were dead, dead. Dead people are utterly helpless, right? When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive in Christ, for it is by grace you are saved, Ephesians 2.5. And the good news is, as we've been preaching and singing this morning, we don't have a God who lords it over us. We don't have a master who is trying to humiliate us. We have a friend, we have a Christ who is gentle and lowly, his yoke is light. And he is telling us this, he is reminding his disciples of this because we need to remember, lest we get things out of order, the branches aren't the ones ultimately who decide of their own accord, I'm just gonna bear some fruit, I got this. Like, no, you need to be rooted in me. If you're not rooted in me, you're just, Gerald Haugen used to talk about stapling fruit on a dead tree, it's a great, great analogy. We can't, we can't be trying to just staple fruit on a, on a dead tree. Okay? That's not who we are. We are alive in Christ and it's His life that flows through us. So we have to curtail our pride. We have to check our pride. We cannot revel in having done it ourselves. And here's an additional challenge, maybe a practical takeaway. Can you not only accept the fact that you are dependent on the vine, but can you take joy in your dependence? Can you take joy in your dependence? Dependence is hard because dependence is vulnerable and at this point, I'd like to just confess what I think anybody who's been a Christian long enough knows is that prayer can be frustrating if we're honest, right? We read this verse, Ask anything you wish and it will be done for you. Ask according to my will and I will do it. But if you've been a Christian long enough, you've had at least one Apostle Paul moment. Remember Apostle Paul who prayed, he had a thorn in the flesh. We're not sure what that was, it might have been a physical affliction, but he prayed three times for the Lord to take it away. And God said no. Or worse, maybe we've been praying for that thing, and we haven't even gotten to know, we just haven't heard anything. If you've been a Christian very long, no doubt you have experienced doubt about prayer. You've prayed earnestly for the kinds of things that you know are in alignment with God's heart. These aren't just baubles that you're after. You know you're not at, your heart isn't oriented towards those worldly things. You have been earnestly seeking God's will, and it just, it feels like, is there anyone listening? And maybe you've doubted God. Maybe you've even doubted your own faith. I want to encourage you from this passage, as I have taken comfort from this passage, don't deny your doubts. Bring them to God, because He already knows. He knows where you're struggling, He knows where you're weak, and He wants you to abide nevertheless. And I know that sometimes we get to a place in prayer, especially if we've been praying for the same thing for a long period of time, where we just are, we feel just desperation. Can we take that desperation perhaps as an opportunity to double down on our dependence? If nothing else, our desperation reminds us just how much we depend on God for everything. And may we believe the word that Paul received from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. I've I've experienced answered prayer. I've also experienced the agony of delayed answer to prayer. And I can, I can tell you, I know what it's like to be desperate and to, even to the point of despair. But Jesus came to do deep repair. And deep repair sometimes takes longer than we might hope. And it's because of that we cannot give up, right? This is why Paul says, pray without ceasing, don't give up. In Luke's Gospel, remember Jesus told the peril about the persistent widow, to, to teach us never to give up in prayer, to be persistent, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Just to share a personal testimony, and I, this came kind of out of the blue. I received an answer to uh, a, about a five-year-long prayer about two weeks ago, and it, it, it was so amazing because it was a long, painful time of waiting. And the answer to the prayer had everything to do with the work of the Holy Spirit on my heart and someone else's heart. And the wonderful thing about it was is that when that prayer was answered, it was so clear that it was the work of the Spirit. And there was so much joy, so much more joy than if God had just fixed it right off the bat. I know some of you are nodding. You've had those seasons. I know some of you might be thinking, five years, try two decades. Yeah, I know. And at the end of the day, none of us can presume to say, well, here's, here's what God must be teaching you. All I know is that God calls us to continue to abide, to trust His heart, to trust that He will hold you fast because you are rooted in the true vine and the life of Christ is in you. On New Year's Eve, Randy preached a really encouraging sermon along these lines from Hebrews about Christ's finished work as our forever priest. And he said that Christ's intercession for us is perfect and effortless. To know that Jesus himself is also praying for us. Even when we falter in prayer, even when our faith, is weak, when we feel like I don't know if I can continue to abide in prayer on this. We can remember that Jesus' work is finished and he always lives to intercede for us. Hebrews four, fourteen through sixteen, I just want to read this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. Hebrews 8.25, he is able to save to the uttermost, to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And it's because of this, brothers and sisters, that we can look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews twelve two. May we pray with that kind of faith. So number four, abiding in prayer means finding joy in God's glory. It means finding joy in God's glory. Look at verse eight, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples And as we read in 14.13 previously, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When we pray, we need to resist the impulse to pray for things that will sort of boost our glory. Can we pray for fruit in a way that asks for Him to increase and us to decrease, right? How can we do that? We can do that when we realize that we will find our deepest satisfaction when God gets the glory for the fruit that we bear. I'm so grateful that Kenny last week talked so much about joy that right? This passage ended in this place of joy. He wants us to have the same kind of joy that he had. So how does God's glory and our joy go together? Uh, John Piper has, has uh, written and preached about this uh, for, for decades now, and it's been so encouraging to me. I was just thinking about this in, a, in kind of a simple way. Um, I, I just want you to think of something that was, think of the most recent thing that was really glorious to you. Just, you know, you looked at it, you saw it, you witnessed it, you heard it. It's like, wow, and glorious would be a good word to to, uh, to describe it. I put it to you that you also felt joy. That if... If you witness or behold or see something that is glorious, you can't just go, yeah, but it doesn't give me joy. That doesn't make any sense, right? And here's the cool thing. If you witness or hear or behold something that is truly glorious, most of the time, you had nothing to do with its being glorious, yeah? I mean, there are times when you can look at maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a a hobbyist and you build something really, oh, that's glorious, look at that, yes, and you get a little of the the joy of, you know, self-glory and all of that, and okay, you can maybe feel some pride about that, but think about something like, I don't know, (laughs) half-dome, Right? I've got a, a, good, a good friend who has become a really good photographer. He's kind of c- cultivated this craft over the years and now he's like selling his stuff online. And, and his, his work is just jaw-dropping, stunning. You look at it, you go, that is glorious. And I had nothing to do with that. But guess what? That feeling that I'm, that's joy. I am participating somehow. Joy is the participation in the glory secondhand, right? And that's what God is inviting us into. He knows that we will be, to quote Piper, we will be most satisfied in him when he is most glorified. So God's glory is the source of all glory, and we're invited to pray in Jesus' name and to abide in him and bear fruit that lasts so that when he answers, when he says yes, when he answers that prayer, we will overflow in praise and thanks to him because there is no question from whom it came, that he he alone is God that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. One closing thought, thinking about um, our dear brother, Warren Willis, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a bonus point um, on just what it looks like to abide in prayer Thought I was having, just in this passage in general, and and I always kind of look ahead and behind. I like to look at context, but you wonder how did so? How does Jesus himself pray? Right? What, what kinds of things did Jesus pray for? Um, if you just just skip right ahead to chapter seventeen, there is high priestly prayer, and he prays for so many things. This might be a good thing to do this week, right? Um, Look at how Jesus prayed. Look at the kinds of things that moved his heart. Ask God to align your heart that direction as well. Maybe, maybe look at the prayers of, of Paul, you know, in Ephesians, for example. A couple of doozies in there, right? Align yourself with those prayers. Here's one that caught my attention, and, and thinking about Warren Willis and his going on to glory, um, I don't know, it just seems really appropriate uh, there in, in John uh, seventeen twenty one, he says, I do not ask for these only, that is the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. Look at what Jesus is asking for for us. He's asking for at least two things. First, he's asking, he's praying for the church, right? that this vine branches, it, it's, it has extended from first century to now. And it is continuing to move into the entire earth and we are just branches on a bigger, bigger vine in his vineyard. And so he's praying, number one, for unity. As we move into 2024, let's pray for unity not just in our own church here at Grace, E.V. Free La Mirada, but in Jesus' name, let's pray for the unity of Christ's body throughout the world. Because number two, what does it says? That they may know me. The world may believe. This is the gospel. When, when we were first looking for a church more locally and we ended up here at Grace, I remember meeting some guys who were doing this thing called California High School Project. And it was pretty much out of a shoebox, felt like. And they were just, had some, they went to little high schools and they were like, oh yeah, we're trying to evangelize and all of that. Warren Willis prayed big. He asked, I was just talking about this with Kenny. Kenny says he asked, believed expected great things of god and he he did great attempted great things for god and california high school project grew and that california's not big enough it's got to be national we got to take this to all the states all 50 states and that kind of vision that's that's what a deep abiding looks like and maybe it, maybe it's not going to manifest in your life in that exact way but to have that gospel oriented vision. Sometimes, that's, and that's why we have to come together, right? That's why it's good to come and worship and sing songs and hear stories and hear testimonies from one another so that we're not just looking at our own private lives, but we see ourselves as part of something even bigger, as part of the kingdom that God is wanting to, to extend the gospel that will go even to the ends of the earth. So as we do the things that we do here at Grace, as we gather, as we preach the word, as we worship, as we have fellowship, let's never forget that this is Christ's church. This is Christ's church. There is no true church on earth that is established or maintained by the will of man. And so let's go into 2024 rooted in the word. I love how uh, was it pick a pick a pick a person, pick a pick a passage, pick a what was it? Make a person pick a, make a plan. There you go. Make a plan. Yeah. Pickled peppers. Sorry, that's I am so highly medicated right now. Just the it's it's the dextromethorphan talking probably. All right. What you just said Pick a plan. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you're, gather, maybe you're gonna you know, grab an accountability part and say, hey, let's memorize this passage. We'll add to that. Pray through that passage. Memorize it and then pray it together. And pray for the church. It'd be a great thing to do in the new year. May he continue to prune us that we would bear much fruit and that our joy might be full and that in that joy he will be glorified. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, we give you praise and thanks for our time together in your word. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for strengthening us through your spirit. We thank you for the encouragement that you give. Father, I pray that you would help all of us, especially those who are uh, weak lord help help those who are doubting lord remind us that without you we can do nothing but that is of great comfort lord and it is our joy that without you we can do nothing because with you all things are possible help us to pray deeply abided in your word and for your glory in jesus name amen